0: Psalm 16, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood, or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the word of God.
1: Let's pray as we come to study God's Word. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I thank you that you're present with us, and I thank you for the joys that we have in your presence. And I pray right now, actually, Lord, that you would help us to know how to find your presence, that you would help us to dwell in your presence, to stay and be secure, I pray, Father, that you would speak to us the ancient word with the ancient paths through the Psalms. I pray that your spirit would enliven this as we declare the kingdom of your son. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So we're continuing our our look kind of in an orientation, and I mentioned this last week that, that I don't really know what's best maybe necessarily for you know, I didn't come here with a plan to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, everybody. We're on the same page. Now let's run, right? Because I don't know the direction. I'm not, you've lived here a lot longer than me. And so the one thing I feel like I can do as we get our feet on the ground and get to know the community is, is orient you at least to, to my understanding of the gospel and my message that I'm going to kind of, put forth in my perspective on things, and, and, and hopefully that'll bless you, and hopefully that does kind of begin, begin to be part of a DNA of this church, and as it becomes part of the DNA, then we kind of can go out from there, and so this is really kind of orientation of my gospel. Gospel's not relative, but who you are and where you are and the kind of person you are affects how you see God, your message that resonates with you, whatever, and so, so that's a lot what this is. And and last week I I preached on my methodology, which is Psalm 73, which is hey, you know, this is really every week. The world doesn't make sense. The world is topsy turvy. The world has all kinds of messaging, and it doesn't make sense. Our world doesn't make sense until we come into the presence of God and we discern His ways. And as we worship, we're transformed, and then we can go and live fruitfully we can go and experience what we're supposed to experience and and do what we're supposed to do and have the perspective all that so ne- well next week is the is the inst- installation, and I'm not preaching. After after next week, we're actually going to kind of get into the theology that really resonates with me. So it's going to get real theological. But this week, just because we have one extra week, I wanted to kind of drill down and do one more look at the presence of God before we move on to, to more theological discussion. And so this is kind of an excursus on what we talked about last week. It's, it's actually more practical. And so I want to kind of alert you to that because it, it is very practical. And, and, and it comes from Psalm 16. Psalm 16 is my utility psalm. Like, I pray through the psalms. I, I, if you ever, like, called me and, and, and you're like, I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm praying, which I probably wouldn't do because that's kind of, you know, you would feel guilty. Uh, but, but, but I, you know, if I were praying and you called me and you interrupted my prayer time, most, like, there's a 98% possibility that I'm praying a psalm to God. That's my prayer life. That's it. Now, when burdens take over or, you know, I'm praying for you, that, that's, that, that obviously works its way into my prayers. But my prayer life is built around the Psalms. That's what everyone up until the 1800s mostly did in prayer, was to pray the Psalms, to sing the Psalms. That was, that was at the core of the church. It was the core of Israel. And, and there's times where I pray through all the Psalms, but there's times let's say when I'm moving, that I don't want to pray. I can't even remember what my name is, much less what psalm I should be reading. And, and it just kind of all gets crazy. And so whether I'm on vacation or whether I'm moving or whether there's just, I just have no other bandwidth. It's my, I just go to Psalm 16 and it's over and over and over, day after day, week after week, I just kind of stay in Psalm 16. And, and the reason why is it's just got it all. And so I want to use that this morning because it's got it all, and at the core of it all is the presence of God. And so let us we're just going to look at this psalm, um, and it's going to be super practical. It's going to sound a little kiddish. You know, the more I sound like I'm talking to a kid, the more it resonates with everyone in here. So just kind of, I'm not condescending. We never get out of being a kid. Middle school is never over, right? And so we're going to kind of be there. And, and so what does it mean to be, To be in the presence of God. To live in God's world. What does it mean? We talked about last week. You're supposed to enter into his presence and live there. That's what we talked about. And and we don't really know how to do it. And the answer, the the Bible answer is faith. And and that, honestly, if I can say it, means nothing to me, really. When someone says to me, have faith, which you may. I'll get discouraged. You're going to say, have faith. And I'll say, thank you. And in my head, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not helpful. I'm just kidding. I'll, it will really help me. But what does it mean? Does anybody ever wonder what does it actually mean? Like practically, how do you have faith? You believe, right? But, but how, do you do, how, do you, how do you believe? Like what's the posture? I need more, right? And, this, and the Bible provides more. We just don't always say more. Actually, what it means is after years of praying the psalms, so I'm going to reduce this all to the psalms. If I were to come up with one word for what it means to have faith that's a little bit more descriptive than having faith, because it's kind of a platitude, it would be to hide. And I I, I tell you this now, it's going to be the posture of of me as as I know you and get to know you and pastor you. We won't talk about it all the time but hiding with God. It's the core to me of having faith, which means it's the core to what it means to live in God's world. And this psalm that has it all begins there. It says, keep me safe in verse 1, my God, for in you I take refuge. And I kind of think that's a thesis, that the rest of the psalm that we'll kind of just discuss as we pass through it really just kind of unpacks that, what does it mean to hide? And, and I, want to, to, I want to take you back to that, you know, 10 years old or whatever, because this really, it's not a children's sermon, but it, we're all children. I want you to think about what it meant to have a good hiding place, right? You're playing, playing hide-and-go-seek with your friend, and, and, you know, you had friends that were good and sweet friends, but you also had some punk friends, and let's just put it in the punk friend. You're at their house, and you're playing at their, you know, at their end of the street, and, and you're playing hide and seek, and, you, and you're not it, right? Punk little Tommy or whatever is it, and, and so you go out, and you try to hide, and as you try to hide, and I, this is the heart of the sermon, so don't think like, oh, when's he going to get the real stuff? This is the real stuff. This little moment where you're trying to hide there's there's a thing that happens and ten-year-olds don't know what's happening, but but we do, as adults, for sure, the adults in here do. You start having to make some calculations. And you either buy what this little hiding place is selling, or you don't. Like like I grew up in Arkansas and it was magnolia tree. Man, if you got I don't know if you've seen a magnolia tree, if you get up into a magnolia tree, no God doesn't know where you are. I mean, it is just it is just it is nothing but greenery. And I mean, you are lost in there. The problem with the magnolia trees, it gets pretty crazy in there. And so then at one time I was climbing it, I couldn't get down and no one could, literally no one could find me. It was such a good hiding place and people are hollering at me and I'm hollering back and all I can do is hear my voice. So there's, there's a sense in which when you're looking at a hiding place, you have to judge whether it's too good a hiding place, right? But you, but you do have to calculate, you have to say, am I buying what this... Little hiding places selling, you know, is it, you know, after reading Chronicles of Narnia, I was terrified of trying to hide in like a wardrobe. I mean, it it works in the book, but you know, like, am I going to get lost in there? Or am I going to, is it going to be one of those silly, like when you're two years old and you just hide your eyes, you know, and you're watching your kid do that and you're wondering if they're going to be smart enough to make it in the world, right? It's precious and it's terrifying at the same time. There's all kinds of hiding places, and some are good and some are bad. And as you're a little kid, even you're like processing, does this hiding place have what I need? And and that and it's a silly question, right? That that every little kid processes intuitively, but that is what you have to do when you go to work tomorrow. It never gets better. It never gets deeper. It never gets more sophisticated or adult. What the Psalms call us to do is buy what God's selling. And the way that he does that through, in, in the psalmist, the way David processes that is through hiding, is that we have to kind of take into account what, what the world is offering us or what God is offering us, right? Because you know little Tommy's coming. And, and if Tommy finds you, he might, you know, like, punch you. Or he might, he might make fun of you for being the first to be found. Like, you can't trust Tommy. And, and our job, the whole job of my ministry, well, it's not the whole ministry I'm going to have with you, but one of the best things I can do for you in the next however many years we get together is to make you trust little Tommy of the world less that's it like little Tommy's coming and I gotta hide I need to find a place to hide that will hide me perfectly that I can trust that I can crouch in that I can depend on right because if little Tommy's a jerk you really don't want to be first to be caught and so you need something where your leg's not going to be hanging out right you need something where, where it's not gonna be any, you know, you just stand behind a door, because little Tommy knows to look through the crack, right? And see you. You need something better than that. You need something you can trust fully to take care of you. And that's God. And in Psalm 16, just it's just like it welcomes you into this hiding place. That just kind of throughout the Psalms, this is it. I mean, Psalm 56 is a family favorite, and I love Psalm 56. I'm just going to kind of skim it real quick. It says, "My advers—this is kind of little Tommy. My adversaries pursue me all day long. Their pride—they're pride, they're attacking me. When I was af- when I'm afraid, though, I put my trust in You, God, in God whose word I praise. I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me?" The psalmist asks. But then it jumps back to little Tommy because it says. All day long, they twist my words. They scheme and they they scheme for ruin. They conspire. And then the best thing that that happens in the Psalms the the wicked lurk. It's, It's literally little Tommy lurking to get you. And the psalmist message after message after message is God saying, Come and be hidden. Come and live under my umbrella. Come and live as that art kind of showed us, the abstract chaos in this nice cave where everything's okay. And before we, I'm just, I know, this is a super long intro. Not, not every verse we're going to spend this much time. But before we do this, there's, there's this other side that you may be thinking of. Oh, wait, I, you know, I've got a, I got a really active job. I've got, I've got a lot of stuff to do. I can't hide. I've got to be out there. I would say your job is not any more active than David's, Because it's interesting if you ever read the, the Samuel narrative, both first and second Samuel. You see him, you see David do all kinds of stuff. David David has a plan with, with his buddy where they like shoot an arrow a certain length if, if Saul is coming after him. You see another place where Saul is going to the bathroom and he cuts a little bit of garment off Saul so he can show him and say, hey, I'm a better person than you are. There's the place, the really weird place where he acts insane actually and gets off the hook for that. And you know what he does? I don't know if you've ever read the psalm that's connected to where David acts insane, but, God, but David never says, man, I, I had such a great plan. I acted insane and they didn't know what hit him. I'm so smart. It's like, no, God, you saved me. I'm hidden in you. In all the things that David did, from running from Saul to running a country, all of them took action. It took strength. It took courage. It took all the things that we associate with being out there, but he did every single thing hiding. His life was out there, but his heart was tucked, secure with God. It's one of the most amazing kind of extraordinary things that the Bible puts in front of us, is that you can be out there, and you can be an activist, and you can change the world, but you do it from the hidden spot with God. So, I'm just going to read on and kind of show you why this is such a utility one for for me. And I'll kind of just go through it. I'm just going to mention a couple things as I go, and then we'll be done. It's actually pretty straightforward. Verse two, it it continues on. It says, I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from me, apart from you, I have no good thing. And I'll just pause. We're going to just pause a lot. I, I have a hard time believing that. We'll move on, right? I mean, show of hands. I say, to the, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. And it's, you know, halfway through packing, I, I wasn't thinking about God's people. I wasn't thinking about the people at the church I was at. Honestly, I wasn't even thinking about you guys. I was thinking about all of the other gunk in my life I had to deal with. And I needed this psalm to tell me, no, no, read Slow down. I'll tell you who the excellent ones are. I'll tell you who your delight should be. is the people of God. My delight became like movers, you know, or something like that. Um, those who run in this, I, despite the evidence to the contrary. Verse 4. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their name on my lips. Man, I, I, we don't see that. You will not go to work tomorrow or whatever you do tomorrow. You will not see the fate of the world. It, It blends too much. We're not in that era yet. There's a day when all this will get straightened out by Jesus and that's not it yet. You need someone to remind you, hey, listen to this. Despite all evidence, I am God. They are not Stay with me. And then it goes on, Lord, you alone, this is verse 5, Lord, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I I struggle maybe more with these two verses than any um, in this psalm because I have a real hard time believing that everything's going to work out. And, And so the way I handle that Um, I'm I'm a pessimistic person, a a, a realist is what we like to call ourselves, but I'm a pessimistic person and so the way I handle like an upcoming thing, I figure out how bad it could go and I figure out if I'm willing to live through that and that gives me confidence for moving forward. Now, there's some of you, and I know, we're, you know that I'm now in like, a place where everybody's like, working in Manhattan, and so you, you, you want to change the world more than I do. And, and so you might be different, but, I, but maybe what you do is you strategize to see the best course, and, our, and your strength comes from your wisdom on, on how to handle certain things in order to make it go well. That's a completely opposite problem, but the same thing as me like getting ready for the worst-case scenario. You might either you're like me, or you actually try to figure out how you can scheme to get the best case scenario. But the Psalms say it's gonna work out because God is God. Hide with me, it's beautiful. I keep uh, it says, I will, verse 7 I will praise the Lord who counsels me, even at night, my heart instructs me, your God has you and he speaks to you and you can trust him and you wake up in the middle of the night, he's still God. So many of the Psalms fear the night. Uh, the, the pestilence that comes at night, Psalm 91 says. It's as bad as all the, all the actual pestilence in real life. God is God through the light and through the night. I keep my eyes always on the Lord, with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And I want to just pause there as we kind of get towards the end of this. What happens? And, and this, is, this really gets at the core of, of the Psalms for me. I, I used to um, have a really bad view of the Psalms. I would, I, I would pray the Psalms that felt relevant. I don't know if any of y'all have ever done that. And if you have, there's probably you don't have many to pick from, right? Like, I, like, like how many times is it that good, right? And how many times actually is it that bad? Uh, so what I would choose is the ones that had to deal with sin because that was the one thing I knew in my spiritual life that I could kind of like process was my own sin. So there was Psalm 38, which we prayed. There's Psalm 51, which we kind of all know. And there, I had a list of Psalms, but it was a really little list of psalms that felt a certain way so I could go to them, right? I had no way to handle any of the 90s, which are just like, everything's amazing because God is God. I could count on a hand how many times I feel overwhelmed at that sensation in my life. So, so that's how I handled the psalms, which meant I didn't handle the psalms. I just would get to them and I'd be like, yeah, not feeling that, and skip on to find one I could feel, and then I switched, actually. This is years ago. I switched. Where I said, what if they're all true? What if I just start praying them because they're there? And maybe maybe I don't feel like everything's all great, like the 90s, right? Like not the 1990s. Like the 90s Psalm, the Psalms are just... I mean, the 90s were great, but... but um, that was more grunge, right? Like, it's all bad. And, and the, the real 90s, the Psalm 90s, are, everything's amazing because God is in charge. What if that's really true? And what I have to do is I have to start praying them and believing them before they're true, despite evidence. And instead of reading them, if I could put it more in technical terms, I would pray the Psalms prescriptively rather than descriptively does that make sense like they weren't describing my situation they're prescribing my they're actually giving me a prescription for living and so i actually started praying through as if and that that began this little thing in my own head i know this is i don't mean this to make about me but this is my orientation this is what i'm thinking through faith means acting as if something's true that's it. That, that is actually it. Faith is acting as if. We think of faith as acting on certain elements and truths and facts. Maybe you, maybe you're killing it, right? And they're all just so overwhelmingly true. But what I've found is actually more effective way to handle, to describe faith, is faith is acting as if something's true. And the as if is all of this. And what happens... And it's in our psalm. What happens in this last verse I read, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with Him at my right hand, is actually it starts to orient us towards God's world, where we're hidden in it, and we live in a posture of faith instead of a posture of independence. A posture of being hidden instead of a posture of being exposed. And therefore, the psalmist says, of course, therefore, of course. If you're living this world, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Doesn't that sound nice? Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill, you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The reason this matters, this was back, this is at the core of the Bible message, and the reason this matters is because when we get to the New Testament, that's how Paul describes it. In in one of the best gospel passages in all of the Bible is Colossians 3. It says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died though no one here is feeling dead right no faith you died so believing before it's true you died and your life is now hidden with Christ it's an umbrella it's an umbrella that you can crawl into and act as if because you know you might not know everything but you know you are secure you know that God is here. You know that God will protect and you act as if that's true. It won't always feel true. It always won't look true, but it is true. And so as we kind of move on and 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 start more kind of deep theology for a few weeks, I'm looking forward to that a whole lot. I just I wanted to do one Deep dive on how do you have faith? How do you enter God's world? How do you dwell in God's world? And the truth is, you hide with Him because you're secure with Him. You're not secure anywhere else. Everything else will tell you how to get secure, but only one offers you security. Hide. For He is, as the psalmist famously says, He is our hiding place. Let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for um, your word. I thank you for the Psalms. I thank you for just practical faith living. And Lord, I know this is, for me, this is a little different. Um, and yet, God, you are, um, you are available. You are findable um, for those who seek and ask and knock. And Lord, I pray that that we would dwell secure. I pray that this church would be secure because it dwells in your presence. And it's filled with people who know what that means and how to live there. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who ensures that our life is hidden with you.